Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Over the next hour, we're going to be chatting with a young man who has provided plenty of inspiration on and off the sporting arena. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything and well, I think Barrow O'Day might have actually had this man's number and card marked for a while. Ryan Campbell joins us. Uh, cricket great, coaching great. Thanks for joining us on Inspiring Stories. Oh, thanks for having me, Goss. Always a pleasure to uh, ch- catch up with you, mate. You're everywhere still, which is great to see. <laughs> Appreciate it, Cambo. So we're chatting to you uh, the day of where you depart to go back to the UK, I was assume, of course, because you are coaching over there. So um, how often do you get back to Perth? Mate, not often enough, to be honest. Um, look, I was here, I think, last year for the World Cup, for the T20 World Cup, which was fantastic. Um, but, like, this time I've had a chance to bring the wife and the, and the kids who, you know, one's eight, one's almost six now, and they haven't been here for, I reckon, before COVID because of, you know, obviously it's so hard to travel back then. And, yeah, you know, it's funny because my kids are growing up. They grew up in the Netherlands. They speak Dutch, they speak English, but they've never really experienced Perth as how great Perth is. And, um, you know, this trip, I know, even though it was quick, you know, taking them to Rottnest and taking them to the beach and all that, just just to experience what we've all experienced as kids has been fantastic. And you're providing us uh, with a beautiful backdrop underneath the lilac tree, whatever that is, in front of a beautiful establishment. Uh, obviously, your old mate uh, Rob Baker's going okay, mate. Yeah, you know, he, may, he always finds a way. It's, uh, yeah, but it's been fantastic to catch up with Bakes. And again, it's just, you know, I've lived, what, probably the last 12 years overseas, but, you know, having such great mates back in Perth, you know, we had Wayne Clark's 70th birthday the other day and, you know, we walked in there as if you hadn't literally stepped away for a moment. It was, um, you know, great to catch up with all the guys and, you know, that, that's what Perth does. You've you got friends and bonds forever and, uh, you come back, although everything's changed. I, I, I can't find my way around the streets now. Everything's bloody new buildings everywhere and waterways <laughs> and all sorts. But, um, yeah, no, it's been great to be home. Uh, brilliant stuff. We haven't aged a bit. Hey, I'm going to cover off, and we can go chronologically uh, when we do Inspiring Sports Stories, but I'm going to take you to what has been the headline act uh, for you. And I talked to Baron O'Day because, mate, um, you're so lucky to be with us. I, 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 I just... Every time I look back at the, the, the time of your massive scare and health scare, um, can you just put it in a – can you describe exactly to our listeners right now what happened? Because you have you were done. You were, you were gone. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, and again, I'm, I've always been very easy about talking about what happened and stuff, mainly because I have no memory of it. That, that's the honest truth. I, I, um, I remember getting on a plane from the Netherlands to go to England the day before, and then I wake up seven or eight days later um, with absolutely my, my, real, my thoughts of reality when I woke up 
was that I had been kidnapped, taken to Bali, uh, stolen my watch, my phone, my uh, wallet, my wedding ring. I was telling my wife uh, all these puncture puncture marks in my arm. I, I need an AIDS test because they've been filling me full of heroin. But um, I don't know why that was sort of yeah, in my head. They they sort of say you have some weird dreams when you go. But um, look, the, the facts were we were went to a playground in England. I was with my daughter who was four at the time. I was holding her hand and pretty much just laid down and. Um, I don't know why, um, but the lucky bit for me was I put my head on the foot of a four-year-old little girl who was waiting in line to go on the same slide, who was holding the hand of a mum who had literally just finished a CPR course. And she looked, took one look and thought, oh my God, um, and just her inspiring ability to act straight away and not, not worry about anyone else. And, you know, she brought me back basically. And, you know, then, I, and again, all this is on being told my wife's point of view. She was the one that, you know, went lived it. Um, you know, was flown to Stoke University Hospital. They say over the course of the next three or four days, you know, again, without being too morbid, probably died 14 or 15 times. And some reason kept coming back. Um, I guess the romantic in me, Goss, says that I still had too much to do and, and you know, the love of my, my wife and kids. And that's, you know, you can look at it any way you want. But I guess some people ask me, you know, is there some, am I different now? You know, did I see anything? that I didn't see any pearly gates, Goss, let me tell you that for a fact, which worries me. But uh, that made me a bit nervous. We but, won't um, go there. We won't go there, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> Um, but look, whatever reason it is, I, I'm just so thankful to be here and, you know, seeing my kids for the first time after it all happened. And again, I, I didn't honestly have any idea of the magnitude of it. My, my wife didn't give me my phone for probably five or six days later. And she sort of said, look, you know, we've we got to start getting your head around. It's been a pretty big deal what's happened to you. And, you know, the, 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 this is what's happened. You, you've got... You know, I guess the humbling experience was turning that phone on and getting messages from right around the world of, you know, good lucks and all this sort of stuff was quite, hum like I say, very humbling. Um, why am I still here? I don't know, mate. I honestly don't know, but I'm bloody glad I am. And I, I'm going to have a pretty good crack at the rest of this, uh, the life that we lead. I have no doubt you will. And, uh, yeah, so far gone. And uh, you are uh, inspiring in, in itself right there. Thanks to Baron O'Day because the little things are everything. Ryan Campbell is our guest. So what was the problem? When they go back and uh, say, okay, what, 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 what happened? So what are the experts telling you happened? And what did you have? And, and how do you live going forward? Well, man, I, I, well... Quite simply, I had a cardiac arrest and my, my heart, uh, the electrics of my heart just went crazy. Um, and they don't know why. It's one of those ones that, you know, I reckon as 50-year-old at the time, I was pretty fit and healthy. And, you know, I'm still running around uh, looking after two kids and, uh, you know, looking after a cricket team, which, you know, keeps you quite fit and healthy. But uh, like many, mate, I, I, I never thought to go get checkups and things like that because I thought, well, you know, everything's good for me. I'm, I'm fine and, you know, nothing's wrong with me. Why, why would I go get anything checked? But so, you know, they've obviously done some tests afterwards and, you know, right now they say I'm in perfect health. They, I, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I've got a bloody 
box in my chest here mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. is a bit of a, is an ICD, which is basically my insurance policy. The the wonderful uh, cardiologist in um, in England who brought me back and looked after me. Um, you know, he was very clear that he felt that there was nothing that was ever going to happen again, but he didn't want my wife and I walking down the street always wondering. So he said, look, I'm going to put this in and you can argue with me, but on the, on the, on the dock and I'm telling you, this is what you're going to have. So what does it do? Um, what does it do, Cambo? It, it's just literally, it's an ICD. Like you see, um, you know, all around Australia now and all around Perth and all those things. I've got a mobile one that, uh, you know, if, anything was to happen to me, it would detect straight away and, and jolt me back to, you know, back to business, so to speak. But um, like I say, for my kids, every now and again, they just sort of touch it. Obviously, my daughter, I was holding her hand. She lived through it. Um, my son was right next to us as well. Um, so every now and again, they sort of touch it and talk about daddy's insurance policy and, um, you know, hopefully we, we've covered it off pretty well and, you know, they're... they're pretty happy that I'm still here as well. Uh, so your beautiful wife, um, how's she going then through all of that? And you talk about you know, the hero and, and, and the real star of it all. Just t- just tell us how she, she copes with all of this. Yeah. Mate, like, like I say, uh, the time I get goosebumps and, and get a bit sort of teary about it all is when I talk about her and, and the kids and what they had to go through. You know, she was in that hospital all day, every day for seven days. She was told three times by different doctors that this was an end-of-life event um, and that she was going to have to deal with that. But then she had to go home, or not home, but you know, she was staying with her, her brothers at the time and then look after two kids who didn't understand what was going on and you know, she had to put on a brave face for that. So, yeah, you, you, you talk about heroes in life and you know, inspiring stories. Mate, our our partners in crime generally are they're the real heroes who who run it and you know what she de- dealt with over that time and you know getting told everything's not going to be okay everything might be okay um, getting told I was going to probably have to have a heart transplant which meant ten years maximum and when she said that the jolly old cardiologist said well better than what we got right at the moment um, and then like I say on the seventh day almost. She walked into the hospital room and I was awake, eyes open, asking her all sorts of weird questions and where you been? Where's, where's where are the kids? What, what's going on? And of course, uh, you know, yeah, she 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 figures nowadays I, I was just searching for a bit of sympathy and needed a rest and a <laughs> and, and sleep. But um, yeah, it's mate, she's she's going brilliantly and um, like I say, those I I, I honestly hope that no one goes through what I went through and no wife has to or partner has to go through that but they do and they're stronger than what, what, what we can imagine and yeah all I say is she, she's the real hero of all this. No doubt uh, th- last one on this before we take a break and come back and get you on your on your cricket journey what an amazing journey and it continues of course with your coaching in cricket as well and you've uh, travelled the world in far away places and strange places to be brutally honest with you when it comes to cricket and but you must be very proud of what you've achieved Ryan Campbell is our guest how what's your outlook on life now has it changed at all with what happened uh, that fateful day um no room for dickheads. <laughs> I'll be honest. Oh, we all we all go through it. We all go through life, and you know you're dealing with people, 
and you do it for the right reasons, but I literally had no time for people who were going to waste my time or not be in, around me or my family or my cricket team for the right reasons. Um, basically, look, it, it's easy to sort of sit and go, oh, I've got my second chance in life. Oh, and again, I, I don't want to stand, sound like I'm a bloody uh, sitting on my soapbox here, but the, the last thing that I'd say is that, oh, you've got to live every day as your last because that's unrealistic, you know. But what we do, and, and my wife is brilliant at it, we try to enjoy those special moments, you know. Instead of saying no to the kids to go do something, well, we all do it. We try and say yes more often. We try and make sure that they're enjoying stuff. You know, every now and again, those hugs linger a bit longer than, than what probably you should do. And like I say, mate, I... I I reckon I, having a second shot at it, it's more about just enjoying those moments that make it special. And whatever those moments are for, for each individual is different. But um, the other thing is, you know, people ask me, well, why are you going back to cricket? You know, why are you still wanting to coach and stuff? Well, what it's that's made very clear to me, it's you do what you love. And this game has been so good for me for what, over 30 years now as a player, as a coach, as a spectator, as a commentator, I love the game. I still love the game. And, you know, when I'm coaching, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I'm not going to, you know, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging the way I want to, I want my teams to play. So, you know, that that's part of the joy of my role in life. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Ryan Campbell is our inspiring sports stories and it is inspiring and we've taken you, well, we've taken you basically six foot under and come back up again and now we're going to take you on the cricket journey. Let's take a break and come back and continue our chat. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Ryan Campbell, our guest. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hope you enjoyed our first section of the life of Ryan Campbell, inspiring sports stories. And we're not, it's not this is your life and he's pegging out. He's still got plenty where to go. Thanks to Baron O'Day because the little things are everything. Hey, Cambo, when I read about you and being born in February uh, 1972, uh, born in Perth, it was uh, Osmond Park. Club, Western Australia, play wacker cricket for Bayswater, Scarborough, Joondalup. But this is the part that I get. The Hong Kong Chinese ancestry through your grandmother uh, with one of your great-grandfathers born in Kowloon. Um, it's not exactly what I would imagine uh, a, 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 a cricket um, breeding would be. Uh, how did you choose cricket? Where did cricket choose you? And how did you come about playing cricket with that background? Mate, I'll be honest. I was I wanted to be a footy player. Oh, you know, I loved my footy and like you know, back in the good old days, I guess we could. Winter was football, summer was cricket. It was simple as that. I know I'm the I guess the youngest of four kids, and mate, the greatest games I've ever played, the, the biggest battles I've ever had, like most, were in the backyard, mm-hmm. and that's where you know you were either keeping yourself busy by either kicking a footy or, or playing cricket, and. Um, you know, a little bit of a twist to the, the story, I guess. I moved to Kalgoorlie and, and lived there with my sister for a little while. And, you know, Kalgoorlie is such a great sporting town. You know, you play footy and also to cricket. I was lucky enough to, you know, play in a country week uh, grand final at the Wacker. And, you know, we won that and did really well. But 
there was a wise old man called Ray Robinson from Bayswater Morley Cricket Club who was sitting in the stands and, you know, he spotted me and, and Tim Brooks, who was another Kalgoorlie lad and, you know, really wanted us to come down and play with Bayswater Morley. And, and, you know, I guess the, the, the proudest bit for me was that I said yes. You know, it could have been easy just to stay in the stay in the um, you know in the gold fields and you know be I know this is going to sound silly, but like a bit of a country legend um, and play footy, play cricket. But I, w- I wanted to find out if I was any good, and you know I was lucky enough to come play pretty well straight away, and you know. My great, great mentor, Rod Marsh, saw something in me and invited me to the Cricket Academy. And like many, you know, in those days, if you didn't go to the academy, you, you were never going to play for, for your state. So, you know, that, that's where I learnt my, my craft, so to speak. And again, mate, I thought I was going to be the wicketkeeper back up to Tim Zura at the time. And I was at the academy and I got a knock on the door. <laughs> Some geek with big ears walked in and said, hey... Oh, my name's Adam Gilchrist. I'm coming to Perth. I thought, what a dick. (laughs) Uh, But in all honesty, that really summed up Adam Gilchrist. He wasn't going to go around the... He knew that I was at the academy. Just a shake of the hand. So, mate, I know this this kind of sucks, but, you know, we're going to work hard together and, and see what happens. And, again, Rod Marsh saw something in my batting and made me open the batting. I'd never opened the batting before in my life. And he, against England, made me open the batting. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty good day against the English. And suddenly he was sold on it. And he said, OK, I'm going to tell everyone that you're an opening batter now. And, you know, I guess my old mate Wayne Clark could see that too. And, and thankfully, um, he took a punt on, on myself and, you know, to partner Michael Hussey and, I guess, they, as they say, the rest is history. We, we probably formed a pretty good opening partnership for a while. But let me tell you, when you walked out the bat at the Wacker and you looked up at the board and I could see Langer, Martin, Moody, Gilchrist, Tadich all sitting behind me, I'm thinking, no wonder I went fast. I wanted to get out of the way and enjoy the show from these folks. <laughs> <laughs> that, and that, that, and that, style, that style, um, that aggressive would I say swashbuckling? I think in in the short form, yes, swashbuckling. You you change the game. We're going to get to one of your trademark shots, which uh, it's a, a little bit like the Pavlova. Was it was it uh, invented in W Western Australia, or was it invented in New Zealand? We'll find out more. But just tell us a bit about that that shield style. Were you a short form cricketer in shield clothing, or were you a frustrated? fast batter in a slow-moving game. I'd love to know how you how you worked in with that because, as you say, your style probably wasn't nudge, nudge, take the shine off the ball. Well, the thing was, and this is, I guess, a, as a coach now, and I've taken so much from Wayne Clark and Tom Moody, the captain, mate, you, you need leadership to back your ability and the way that you play. And they could see that I was going to be a dasher and they wanted me to be a dasher because... In the end of the day, to win four-day games of cricket, you need to time to take 20 wickets. So they were very encouraging. And, and to be honest, Goss, I was such a better red ball cricketer than a white ball cricketer because I, I just I batted naturally in red ball, whereas white ball I probably tried to go too hard and didn't really um, you know, score consistently enough. Whereas in red ball, they always kept the field up and I kept going and going and going. So... Um, 
look, I, I love the longer form of the game. I love the short form of the game as well. But if I was brutally honest, I was definitely a better red ball player than I was white ball, which is sad. And it also gives me the question, you know, I get this asked quite often, you know, if you were allowed to coach anyone in the world, who would you like to coach? And the answer is myself at 22 or 23 to see if I could turn that rash, frustrating kid who, you know, couldn't control everything, but <laughs> was pretty good to watch at times, but, you know, didn't have the consistency. But, gee, I would have loved to met him and, and see if I could uh, – make him a better player, that's for sure. Yeah, look, fantastic. You did change the way the game was was played. And as you talked about, you were in such an, involved in such a dynamic program in Western Australia. And, of course, that launched you into an international career. But I want I wanted, I need to settle this for everyone who's listening to Inspiring Sports Stories. Ryan Campbell is our guest, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Did you invent the ramp shot? End of story. <laughs> First day you did it, where was it? And had anyone else done it? Okay, so I, I, it's the only. I'm not one of these blokes that look back and go, "Oh, poor me, I missed out on this, that, and the other in my, in my career." You know, could I have played more for Australia? Really, I don't really care. That, that's how it was. The one thing that does frustrate me is that, of course, I started the ramp. What, what are people on about? It's like I tell you, when I did it, I did it against Victoria um, in a one-day game. Basically, I had the theory from a long time out. So I had to, as the wicketkeeper, I had to go through all the batting meetings, the bowling meetings, and the bowlers back then. Literally, it was, okay, at the death, we're just going to bowl full. We're going to try and bowl Yorkers. We're going to have fine leg up, mid on, mid off back, and try and get hit down the ground, and that's it. And I just kept sitting there thinking, okay, if everyone's trying to do this, why wouldn't I, knowing where the ball was, get down to it and get it on the full and get it over my shoulder. And therefore, if I did it successfully, they'd have to bring fine leg, put him back, which would have to bring someone else up and give me an opportunity to do it. So that was the theory. Now, why did I do it? That was because we played Victoria. Darren Berry was up at the stumps, and Darren Berry is an absolute whatever, and he was giving it to me. Uh, he's a great guy, Darren Berry, but on the field, he was one of those blokes that he just wanted to punch in the mouth. The worst. And I thought to myself, well, Ian Harvey's bowling. He's bowling, going to bowl death bowling. And to be honest, we couldn't win the game because, uh, you know, we were. I was batting with the tail and we had too many. I thought, now's a great opportunity to find out here if this ramp can work. One, I can either hit Darren Berry right in the face <laughs> and he'll never give me lip ever again. Or the other thing, it might go for four and I'm onto something. And I did it twice in a row. I kept missing Darren and he kept asking, was I trying to get him? I said, yeah, stop moving. Um, but I kind of was onto it. And then from there, literally three days later, I got picked for Australia A and against Sri Lanka. And I did it. I think it was Zoiza was bowling and I, and I did it on TV. And then I guess from there, that, that's where it was. Gilshan, by the way, wasn't even playing for Sri Lanka at the time. But anyway, that's that's anyone else can say whatever they want. But I think that's the real story. Okay, I'm running with it, and I'm not here to argue with you. So, did you practice it? And and, and when you were doing it in the nets or something like that, did was someone saying, "What are you trying to do?" Because it changed the game. And now, with the reverse sweep and the lap shot, it's common and it's a skill. Yeah. So, so nowadays, the, the ability to score 360 degrees is so important to, to white ball players. And, you know, like I say, I had the theory. 
I never practiced it because I thought I was going to hit, get hit in the head. And that's say. the last thing I wanted to do. In fact, <laughs> I called it stupidity. That's what the name that people asked me what the shot was called. But, you know, that's the thing. Once I started doing it, then obviously I'd started practicing it a bit more. Um, I had that many parents come up to me and say, please don't do it anymore. Little Johnny just got hit in the face again because he's trying to do it. And I guess, you know, we, we forget that back then, new shots weren't really spoken about. They were, T20 wasn't, well, it was coming, but it wasn't really a big thing. But what I will say, though, Goss, is even though I probably might have been first, the way people do it now, I, I never thought a guy like McCullum would be ramping Sean Tate for six, and then they were reverse ramp. You know, what they do now is next level stuff. And, it, you know, like I say, it's courage and the, the ability to try it. You know, have a theory, come up with something and try it. That, that's the real courage. And, yeah, they do it pretty well now. They certainly do. Let's take a break and come back. We're going to get you to the Australian team next because you were selected to play for Australia in an ODI against New Zealand when Gilly went to be with beautiful Mel for the born birth of son Harry. Thanks to Bow and Day because the little things are everything. Ryan Campbell, our guest, Inspiring Sports Stories. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Ryan Campbell, our guest. You've played Australia A cricket and all sorts of Short form cricket, you had your best scores, of course. You made 203 off 222 in a pure milk cup game at the Wacker. You then uh, smashed them 108 off 85. You've smashed runs. You and Elliot and Lehman were just uh, the top of the tree with all of that. Um, where were you the day you got the actual official call-up that you were going to make your ODI uh, debut against New Zealand when Gilly pulled out? Where were you? Mate, I was actually, at the time, I was a bit of a part owner of a cricket shop um, and the guy that worked there actually needed to go do something. So I said, mate, I'll, I'll help out. I'll, I'll run the shop. Um, so I was sitting there and my phone rang and it was a guy called, I think it was Michael Brown, who was you know, the guy that was the operating manager of, of Cricket Australia. And he rang me and said, oh, day, Cambo. Um, I need you to hurry up and get to, get to the airport um you're just about to get you're going to get picked to play the next odi at that i hung up because i thought of my mate being an idiot um <laughs> so i thought to myself Geez, that's not really a funny sort of joke that I, I don't think and anyway the phone rang again and he said mate michael brown <laughs> i'm telling you if you hang up on me again i'll find someone else you've just been picked to play for australia gillies has you know needs a, day, a few days off because of the birth of the impending birth of his kid. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, what do you need me to do? And uh, at that, he said, mate, you just got to get to the airport as quick as you can. Grab your cricket gear. We've got you on a flight. I think it leaves in three hours. Can you get there? I was like, mate, <laughs> I'll get there. Don't worry about that. And, um, yeah, with that, rang my mum and dad, obviously quite emotional. It's It's... The parents who obviously had, you know, driven me to cricket my whole life and footy and done all the hard yards to tell them that I just got picked for Australia was pretty cool. And um, yeah, by the time I literally got to the airport, I reckon you might have been at the airport. Or you you might have got a bit of a, 
a tip off. I was I, there, I Ryan. I was yeah. there, Ryan. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty great. And you know, the funny thing is, you, your life changes. Obviously, I had a five-hour flight to Sydney, and by the time I got to the other end and turned my mobile phone on, it, it obviously the news were out, and the amount of messages came from all sorts of people, which is fantastic. Again, and you know, the whole experience of playing for Australia was. So cool, i got to say. So you'd been so around cool. Australia, Ray, and you'd been around the system, and everyone knew who you were. So you're not just some sort of kid yeah. that's fallen off the face of the earth and all of a sudden you walked into the Australian cricket team. But what's it like when you know oh. you're going you're gonna to play and you have rubbing shoulders? And just remember, this is worn. This is worn. This is the worn era. And I think you might have stumped Richardson in your debut yeah. with Shane Warne bowling. Yeah. So, so basically, mate, I rocked up to my hotel room, walked into the, you know, into my hotel room, and my bag is there with my name on it and all your kits there. Of course, you're like a little bloody kid, and you're trying everything on, and you know what number have they given me, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's all the training kit, but the actual play, mat, playing kit. The next morning, I went down to breakfast, and obviously, very sheepish, don't know what to do. And I sort of walk into breakfast and I'm looking, you know, where, where do I sit? And to be honest, it was Warning. He literally stood up, came over, gave me a big hug. Come and sit here, mate. Um, you know, then you meet Steve Waugh. Oh, you don't call him Tugger if you don't really know him. I, I wanted to call him Mr. War, but I said, oh, hey, Steve. And now they all came over, made you feel so at home. Um, and again, because you play against those guys, mm. Andrew Simons at the time was one of those who was one of my great mates and... You know, obviously, nearly broke my heart again when I heard the story, when I heard the news of his departure. Um, but you go to training and, and, you know, you fit in and you go to the locker and you suddenly your uniform's hanging up in the locker and the, your name's on, the, on where it is and you just think, oh my God, how good is this? And, you know, that day I spent probably an hour and a half just with warning and he just bowled to me as a wicketkeeper and just talking to me about the game and what he tries to do and this, that and the other. And mate, it was so cool. And then to play a game, what, what I said after the first dismissal in that game, said to the guys, I don't think you realise how loud 40,000 people are when <laughs> we get a wicket here. Like, because they, they had it all the time. It's, like he, it's no big deal to them. But, mate, it was, it was so cool. Um, obviously, you would love to do it more often, but that was it. It was a... You know, a couple of times, but, yeah, great memories, that's for sure. You made some runs, didn't you? You made 30-odd in that game? Yeah, yeah I made 30-odd. Um, I, I think we – it was one of those times when I reckon Australian one-day cricket was in a bit of trouble, and I think at the end of that series, Steve Waugh actually lost the captaincy of, of the one-day – I think it was the first time they never made the, the finals of the – whatever it was called, the, the Benson and Hedges Cup or whatever it was. But um, <laughs> Tri-series. Yeah, again <laughs> – yeah, you know, that, that, that was an era of change. I think it was, you know, not long after that, Gilly went to the top of the order and, and we changed the way we played. And, you know, that, that was pretty exciting for everyone to watch. But, yeah, it, it was, like I say, just being around those greats of the game and watch them, how they go through their warm-ups and, you know, preparing for stuff was, yeah, it's an eye-opener, that's for sure. Cambo, you talked earlier in regards to the, the you know your, your heritage and, and the Hong Kong uh, heritage and Kowloon and the like. Um, you went and played in the Hong Kong Sixes, and then all of a sudden, you you met the residential uh, qualifications, and so you played for Hong Kong in the 2016 World 2020 in India. 
lot of people don't know that or they know it, but they didn't really realise it. I mean, was that just oh. a chance to, you know, play international cricket again? Mate, again, that was stupidity. I, what happened was I had been living in Hong Kong since 2012 and I was obviously, I was coaching Kowloon, which was the best um, team in the town. We, we had created a pretty pretty solid sort of club where we were winning everything. I think at the time I had 12 of the 21 um, national players that for coming from my club. And I was also the batting coach for the national team. And, um, you know, I had to, I had to play, keep playing. Um, and all of a sudden, Charlie Burke, who's a good lad, who now is at South Rio, uh, he was the coach at the time. He said, mate, um, I think we're going to need you to play. And I said, mate, you know, I'm not playing at the World Cup. Don't be stupid. I'm too old. Um, I don't want to drag Hong Kong in because it was one of those ones with associate cricket. Oh, it's just another expat who just has skylarked in and, you know, where's the developing of the youngsters and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't want that, to be honest. Um, but him and Simon Cook, who's now, um, you know, looking after Kent, it just kept going on and on and on. And in the end, I kind of said yes. And I knew I was too old and a bit slow, but... Geez, it was. I had a good time though. Like opening the batting and opening the bowling at a World T Twenty World Cup. Something that I'm going to tell my grandkids at, at some point, no doubt. No doubt about that. Now, just tell us about coaching up there in Hong Kong and the and the game. You talk about the expats and all this stuff. But and I, I think that, you know we followed you through your socials and stuff and how committed you you to that. It's not that far away. It's not. It was not. We're not talking about. You know, it's not. It's not in Antarctica or something. It's. It's Hong Kong. It's just up the road in real terms. Um, just tell us about the growth of the game in, in a place like Hong Kong. Well, well, I'll tell you what it is, mate. What, what it did was it showed me about the associate world. Now, associate cricket, and I'll always. Don't, I don't care where I am. I'll always stand somewhere and yell as loud as I can about associate cricket because it is the world of the haves and the have-nots. But if we are truly to grow the game of cricket, you need those associate countries developing the game. And, you know, it, it, bringing cricket to China is a big deal. Mm. And that's what part of Hong Kong is. You know, I was lucky enough with the Netherlands and seeing Oman and the development of Namibia and Scotland and all these teams. Like, they do it all on not much money. It makes you a much better coach if you're involved because... You can't throw money at to solve a problem. You actually have to become a problem solver and you have to get people who want to roll up their sleeves and get involved in it. So to me, that's what the associate game represents. And, you know, I'll always be pushing for more of anything from associates, more money, more games against big teams. You know, I, I, again, you can just look at the last this World Cup and you look at the Dutch and you think, wow, you know, that's the story. They're in the top 10 of the world. There's only eight turf wickets in the whole of the Netherlands. You know, it's ridiculous how they're even still up there, but they are. They find a way. And, you know, I guess that to me is very heartwarming. And that's where the game will improve. It's not just about India, Australia and England. And, and unfortunately, and again, without being too political, I think sometimes it is too much about India, Australia and England. Um, but growing the game in all these wonderful countries, I think that's where the good stories are. And, you know, you're going to have a World Cup next year in the USA, which is the last frontier of cricket, because if you get a foothold into America, 
it is a lot of people playing there already and, you know, the big things can happen. We're going to take a break and come back. I want to talk about your, your coaching in the Dutch national team and uh, and a couple of other moments, but also, of course, where to now? You're over Durham, of course, on a three-year contract, and we'll talk about that because you're heading back there very, very shortly for pre-season. Our chat is with Ryan Campbell, inspiring sports stories thanks to Baron and Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Ryan Campbell, our guest. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Inspiring sports stories. So you've got your residential qualifications to play for Hong Kong. Um, you coach the Dutch national team. Um, you've travelled, uh, you're now in Durham. Just tell us a bit about that whole Dutch experience to, to see where they are now, how proud you are to have played such a significant role in that. And we're talking minnow countries in regards to, as you talked about, uh, they are minnow countries, but the Dutch are now starting to have a real imprint in world cricket. Yeah, look, it was funny how it worked out because I had followed the Dutch cricket ever since Michael Swart, who played for, for WA and ended up going over and playing for the Dutch. So, you know, I had, a, I guess, a foot in the door by following his career with the Dutch and understood, again, when we were Hong Kong, I played against them. And when the opportunity came up to coach and they gave me a call to see if I was interested, I thought, well, speaking to Leontina straight away, she actually is, is Dutch. She has a Dutch passport. And um, you know, my son Jake had just been born in Hong Kong and he had a Dutch passport. And I sort of said, well, if I go for this job, like, it kind of could be a nice family mm. outing, really. Mm. Um, and we thought, yeah, you know, let's go for it. We've loved Hong Kong, but, you know, probably another op- a new opportunity to go to the Netherlands. I knew the Dutch had a very strong team. And, and at, the, at the time, they were trying to win the World Cricket League. And if they did that, they were going to be the first associate team ever to be involved in what was the Super League, which was the ODI competition over three years. Now, for that to happen was going to be the first time ever that all of a sudden an associate cricket team could play against the big boys over three years, which means fixturing was there, opportunity to make money for the, for the country, you know, just unbelievable opportunities to go. And I thought, you know what? I reckon I can help them win that and, and take them forward. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get the job, move to the Netherlands, um, unbelievable place, you know, to live. Great to um, grow kids and, you know, bring up kids. And uh, we actually had our, our next baby was born in the Netherlands. So she's a, a Dutch baby as well. But the growth of the team because of winning that World Cricket League and then, you know, we qualified for, I think, two or three World Cups in my time there that, you know, a big opportunities to play. And again, like I say, you're talking about a country that only has eight turf nets or turf wickets in the whole of the country. Mm. You know, everyone knows they play football or, or hockey, but and they're pretty good swimmers, to be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, the cricket scene there is quite strong. And, you know, my, my whole goal was always, and this is my mantra as a coach, I need to leave the place in a better position than when I started. And that was the reason behind every selection of picking every youngster over an older guy was always because I felt if we got development into the youngsters, 
they'll stand up when you need them most. And, you know, guys like Buster Later, geez, I used to cop some stick picking him all the time, but you just knew he was a talented player and, you know, he needed time to develop. So um, watching them grow, mate, to be honest, when we qualified for the World Cup in Australia, the T20 World Cup, I felt then was going to be the time, if I could bring the team to Australia, was probably the time I'd walk away from the Dutch and look for my next opportunity. But as it turned out, COVID hit and they cancelled the, you know, cancelled the World Cup and eventually we ended up in Dubai for the World Cup a year or two later. And then I kind of kept going. I thought, oh, well, I'll have to stay again. And well, there's still that chance to go to Australia. And then when we did qualify for that, I thought, you know what, that is a good time. Bring the team down under, hopefully show show them off in front of my home family and friends and then it's time to walk away but hopefully in a better position than when we started and like I'm pretty proud with, to say that I, I think the Dutch what they've done and how they're going now at the World Cup has been pretty awesome and you know I think 14 of the 15 players in that squad were all in my time parts of you know, my, my process and you know looking them develop into pretty good international cricket. Yeah. Quite exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. You've played a major role in that. So now you're at Durham in, of course, county cricket. I'd be interested to know with England's woes at the World Cup and we you know we've, uh, we're, we're having this chat as it's coming to a close, of course, and they're not in the finals. But I just... Um, how do you go about being an Aussie? And you, are you, you like to stir the pot. That's your a bit of your mantra. You've got a you've got a bit of lip on you. But do you tread carefully when you go back and meet them, or do you say, "How bad are you, blokes, going?" Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because as an Aussie coach, watching the Ashes this year was always going to be interesting because obviously I'm going to barrack for Australia despite the fact that my eight-year-old goes for England, which kind of drives me nuts. But um, in saying that, my county, I have Ben Stokes. I have Mark Wood. I have Bryden Cass. I have Matthew Potts trying to get into the English team. And I, I'm, I know very clearly that Durham is one of the foundation stones of English cricket. Mm. And we need to produce English players. My job is to help produce English players. So... You know, that, that's the whole thing for me is, you know, trying to get those guys into the English team. Do I give them a bit of banter every now and again? The old WhatsApp group when we, when they lost the Ashes, I might have slipped a couple into Ben Stokes about uh, <laughs> not, winning, uh, not winning the Ashes. But, yeah, you've got to tread a bit carefully, of course. And, and, and the other thing is, too, of course, you know, Marcus North is my director of cricket, so he's a very proud uh, WA lad that uh, was very keen to watch the England go down as well. But... Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Like, like I say, I, I think the coaching world has changed a bit. I'm very proud that I'm probably one of the few Aussies coaching overseas nowadays. Not, not in the T20 like landscape where we, you know, we know that Tom and Caddo and, and Huss and those sort of guys are in that. But to actually be one of the few that coach overseas, I think it's a great privilege and honour. And making sure I do a good job is also making sure that blokes play for England. And, you know, that's going to be the way it goes. And wherever that ends up, who knows? But it's going to be fun. Ryan Campbell is our guest. We're wrapping up our chat, inspiring sports stories, thanks to Barra and O'Day. So you're in Durham now and you're still going through that process. And I think your contract's up at the end of 2025 and you're probably not looking beyond that just yet. But do you have aspirations to come back to WA and bring the family back here and, and maybe coach 
Western Australia because it was all the talk that Adam Voges was going to be a chance to replace JL, uh, Justin Langer, but they gave it to Andrew McDonald. So Voges stays in WA and Ryan Campbell would slip nicely back into there. And does it have to be WA if you were to come back to Australia? Uh, no, I don't think it has to be. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I, I, like I said at the start, I love coaching. I, lo- I love my job. And I, I think I'm okay at it or a bit better than okay at it. Um, so if that opportunity came, it doesn't have to be West Australian. You know, Adam Voges has created a dynasty here. Him and Kate Harvey, you know, you've got to take their hats off. What they've created in, in WI cricket is such an awesome uh, platform where they've just won everything, which is brilliant. You know, I've stolen uh, Ashton Turner for uh, my T20 team. You know, he comes over for the blast because, you know, the success that that guy has been involved in is hopefully going to rub off on some of my Durham players. So, look... The opportunity to come back from Australia to Australia, of course, that, that would be something we'd look at. But the funny thing is, when you're not actually coaching in Australia, I think everyone forgets you even exist sometimes. And, you know, would I step straight into the WA role if Vogsy got the Australian job? I'd love to think that, I, that Cade would think of me. But if that's you know, not the case, if it's an assistant, Bo Casson or Tim McDonald or one of those folks took over, then so be it. But, yeah, that. Look, one day, it'd be lovely. The, the romantic in me, like I said, would love to bring the family home, would love to coach WA. But again, if it doesn't happen, I'm sure I'll be coaching somewhere around the world. And, you know, if that's England, it's England. Pardon? Did I just hear what you said? If it's England, England. it's England? Wow. England, well, Cambo, I'm going to leave you with one more. If you, if, I get all that. I love your cricket passion. If you could do one thing in your sporting life as either a coach, a player, a family man, love life, love a beer, love the races, love your mates, would it be to see Fremantle win a premiership? A hundred percent. I have my son and I wake up early and watch the Frio Dockers. I still text Matty Pavlich saying, mate, what the bloody hell's going on? I thought we were on the up. I've watched the, what's happened, the, you know, the trade period, and I'm pulling my hair out. But like I'm trying to explain to my son, who's a madman City fan, who doesn't understand that you're allowed to lose and actually keep following someone, because, uh, you know, he's always winning. Um, yeah, gosh, to be honest. I uh, I'd probably jump on a plane and get to the bloody AFL Grand Final if that if that was on if they were in there. But yeah, what, what's going to happen? Obviously, West Coast the same. I still love my footy. I like I say, I I watch out, wake up early, and I will watch the games and you know follow it passionately. But not sure what's going to happen with Frio, my friend. It uh, could be a long old haul again. They might need a coach if you're interested. Uh, mate, appreciate your time. It is an inspiring sports story uh, and it goes through the whole journey and we've only really scratched the surface of it. Uh, back to England you go with the family for the new season ahead and uh, thanks for the chat. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You're one of the genuine good people in sport over the journey that I've had uh, the pleasure to meet and be friends with over the journey, mate. So, again, we appreciate your time. It is an inspiring sports story. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Ryan Campbell, thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.